Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. Be looking at a number of scriptures today, and we'll have those up here, but if you'd like to follow along in an actual paper Bible and don't have one, raise your hand. The ushers can give you one if you want. We can distribute those, let those, uh, I would encourage you as always to bring your Bible. I am not necessarily continuing along the exact same line of the last few messages, but I'm certainly moving forward from there, springboarding off of some of those truths that we were looking at. Uh, If you remember, we've spent a few weeks driving home the point that God's salvation is not limited to the promise of heaven when we die. It includes a lot of stuff for us here and now, and that that stuff he has for us is for ministry so that we can do everything he's called us to do. Last week, uh, we looked at Psalm 103 again, one of my favorite passages to look at, and one of the commands right out of the gate is do not forget all his benefits. It's not just that he's healed, uh, that he's forgiven your sins, but he's healed your diseases and filled your mouth with good things uh, and so on. In other words, God in his extravagant love is holding back nothing from us. Romans 8.32, if he didn't withhold Jesus, if he didn't withhold his son, how will he not with him freely give us all things? Today, my message is a little bit more sobering, I think, because the core of it is this. Well, I mentioned last week that there are some believers who refuse to avail themselves of all the promises of God, all of the benefits. Um, and I said, and I stand by it, God love them, and I love them, if they're plugging along in their belief and in their devotion, but not grasping the message of faith, not grasping the authority of the believer, so they're not walking in all the power and blessing they could be, but at least if they are walking in obedience to the things they know, Well, they may not be walking again in everything God has for them, but they are still useful to the kingdom, and they are a lot better off than the category of people I'm talking about today. Excuse me. Let me start with this one. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The Word of God, in the Word of God, is likened to many things. It is described as a sword a mirror, a fire, a hammer. It's also described as water, milk, meat, and bread. And bread is a good word because that word sort of stands in for all food. And bread comes from grain. Grain comes from seeds, which of course is another word used to describe the word of God. I want you to keep that in mind for a second. And look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 
2 Corinthians 9, beginning in verse 6, says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Now, this whole passage, as most of you know, is part of a, this passage we just read is part of a larger passage where Paul is literally taking up an offering. When people say, well, this sowing and reaping stuff, he's not talking about money. It's exactly what he's talking about. It's specifically what he's talking about. I want you to understand, though, when it says there, you know, I always point out to the anti-people who who just hate the word prosperity just because of the ways it certainly has been abused over the years. I'm not denying that, but I'm certainly not going to deny that God has a plan to prosper and a will to prosper his people. But people who want to attack that whole uh, theology will say, well, it says you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. He's not just talking about money. No, but he is talking about money. But what I want to look at today is, no, he's not just talking about money. Because it says, in all things. The principle, <coughs> even though his, the, the appeal he's making for an offering, the illustration he uses here, hey, you sow a lot and you'll reap a lot. You'll harvest a lot. If you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. And he's talking about the offering, but he's appealing to a principle that goes beyond giving and receiving. He's appealing to the law of the harvest, which we just talked about. You reap what you sow, you reap after you sow, you reap more than you sow. But it applies to more than just money. Look at Luke 6. Here in Luke 6, Jesus is talking about loving your enemies, walking in forgiveness, mercy, turning the other cheek, on and on. And then we get to verse 37 in Luke chapter 6, where he says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. What's he talking about here? Is he talking about money? No, he's talking about mercy. He's talking about forgiveness. You sow mercy, you reap mercy. This is a huge motivation. Now, we need to be correct. We can't walk around ignoring sin. We're called to confront one another, correct one another, hold one another accountable. But if you're looking for a reason to condemn somebody, dismiss them, uh, cast them out, that's not sowing mercy. Our goal, whenever we walk in any kind of judgment, which is correct, is not to condemn, but to bring somebody back. It's restoration. That's our goal. That's the biblical way to judge anything. But, again, Jesus is using this. I guess what I'm saying, if we can clearly see what Jesus is talking about, then that, does that make it unscriptural to say when we take up an offering, as we often do and have for years, given it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Jesus is talking about mercy, but he's appealing to a bigger, a more universal uh, principle of sowing and reaping. Yes, it works for money. Yes, it works for forgiveness. It's a principle there that Jesus is appealing to. You know, some have twisted this. This is so universally recognized that some people have twisted this into something that they call karma. You know, karma is a much bigger concept than getting what you deserve. But people, you know, the world says uh, what goes around comes around. It's all sowing and reaping. 
But ultimately, biblically speaking, sowing and reaping is something that God has ordained and set in motion. Uh, So, again, the word, among other things, is described as seed and bread. When Jesus told the parable of the sower, it's actually, what, the parable of the soils, right? He clearly told the disciples, the sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. This is when he's explaining it to them. This is in Mark 4. He tells the parable of the sower, how some seed landed on stony ground, some landed in, uh, among the tares and the weeds, and some was snatched up by uh, birds, and others uh, landed on good ground and produced a harvest. And he explains the parable. Well, see, the stony ground is hearers who receive the word, but they have no depth, no roots, and when things get a little bit heated, they dry up and blow away. The weeds are the cares and temptations of the world. The birds uh, stealing the seed represents those who have the word stolen by Satan before they can ponder it and consider it. And the good ground, of course, is who? It's us. We receive it, and we nurture it, we cultivate it, we water it. But then Jesus says this in Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 21. Also, he said to them, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? Uh, What's the word also referred to as? A lamp, a light, right? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept a secret, but but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, verse 24, then he said to them, take heed what you hear with the same measure you measure, sorry, with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So Jesus talks about the soils, about the kind of people who hear the word and what happens to the word in their lives, depending on their response. He briefly talks about what, uh, what the word is, uh, what the word is for by using the lamp illustration and then says again in verse 24 and 25, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. What is he talking about? Measuring what? It's the word. He's talking about what you do with the word. To you who hear the word and measure it out, sow it, more will be given. That kind of makes sense. I'll explain a little bit more in a minute. If I'm good soil, I'm going to receive the word deep in my heart, It's going to germinate, it's going to take root, and it's going eventually to branch out and produce fruit. And I am to sow out of that into the lives of others. And if I'm faithful to do that, I will receive more word, more understanding. As a result, my faith's going to grow. How do I know that? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I receive the word of God, I have faith. I act in that faith and Guess what? That's scattering, that's sowing seed. And more is given to me. More word produces more faith, produces more fruit. More seed, sowing, reaping, 
This is the way it works. But this is the scary part. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away. The sower sows the word. The kind of soil that you are depends a lot on you. I think that's maybe the core message of the parable of the soils is, well, I can't help it. I'm just stony ground. That's not what it's saying. You can make up your mind to be good ground, can't you? You can make up your mind not to let the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke out the word. You can rebuke the devourer. If you don't receive the word with gladness, take it seriously. Allow it to bear fruit in your life. That is, if you let the devil steal it, if you let the cares of the world choke it out, if you don't go deeper with it, water it, cultivate it, you will lose it. Some of us are okay with this idea, but it's a deception. This idea of being, I'm just going to be a low-level, ineffective, substandard Christian But that's all I care about anyway is being saved. You will lose the truth you have. This is a serious, serious risk. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 10. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. The word is seed and the word is bread. Bread is for eating. Seed is for sowing or planting. What happens if we receive the bread, but don't eat it? We starve. Right? We will be just like those who have no bread at all. What happens if we receive the seed, but don't sow it? We will produce nothing, and we will be like those who have no seed at all. Bread is no good to us if we don't consume it nourish ourselves with it. We will not grow without nutrition. Seed is no good to us if it is not sown. It will not grow in the kingdom uh, without exercise. We will not grow in the kingdom without exercise, without doing the work of the kingdom, sowing that seed. Jesus is simply saying this, I give you the word. You must be doing two things with it, consuming it. You speak it over yourself and you allow it to change you bless you, and govern you. That's what you do with the bread. And you must be sharing it with others. That's what you do with the seed. Eat your bread and sow your seed, otherwise you will lose your bread and lose your seed. Look at Romans chapter 1. We're living a lot of Romans chapter 1 these days, aren't we? We're living in the midst of it. You start in verse 18, and Paul is writing about the utter sinfulness of the ungodly and how they actually ignore God's word. He uses the phrase, suppress the truth. Now, he's not talking about those who don't know the truth. He's talking about those who know the truth and suppress it because they want to live a certain way. And the result is more sin, deeper perversion. 
You need to read this stuff until you get finally in verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. We, have we ever lived at a moment? There's nothing new under the sun in terms of the evil that men do. But have we ever lived at a moment where evil, like what we're seeing, is celebrated like we see now? This God gave them over to a debased mind is the scary part. Because if you insist on your own way long enough by suppressing the truth, Sooner or later, you will simply cease to believe the truth or recognize the truth. We kid ourselves saying, I know the truth. I just don't want to walk in it now. And if we persist in that long enough, God gives us over to a mind that no longer recognizes truth for what it is. I think C.S. Lewis is the one who said there are two kinds of people in the world, those who bow their knee before God and say, thy will be done, and those who stand before God as he says to them, thy will be done. You're going to do what you're going to do. I really do believe that the starting point in believing in God is believing in God and his word. But ignoring God and his word leads to disbelief. Hearing the word and not acting on it will cause you to stop hearing it. This is what Jesus is saying in Mark chapter 4. You receive bread and don't eat it. You receive seed and don't sow it. Look at this in verse 21. I'm still in Romans chapter 1. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Notice, it wasn't that they couldn't grasp this stuff because their hearts were dark. It's because they ignored it and uh, meditated on futile things, vain imaginings, and their hearts became dark. There had to been some light there. Verse 25 says, they exchanged the truth of God for the lie. So where are you? I'm believing better things about you. I'm believing better things for you. Here's what Paul wrote to the Ephesians in chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Listen to this, verse 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. 
according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Woo! Man, do you see how this comes full circle to what we were talking about the last couple of weeks? We have boldness and access to God with confidence because of our faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work. Why? What is the purpose? Why? What is the big advantage? What is the reason God has set it up that we can come boldly and confidently before him because of our faith in Jesus Christ? It's so we can make the wisdom of God, his word, known to the powers that are ruling the earth today. And all of this starts with us receiving the word with gladness and humility and measuring it out as God gives it to us. Go back to Mark chapter 4 for a second, and let's read this one more time. Mark 4, 24, then he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. You start with what you have. You apply what you know. You share what you know. Then you receive more. Don't wait until you understand all mysteries and you have no questions. You start and you act on what you have. You apply what you know. You share what you know, even if you don't know it all yet. Don't build silos and storage units for the seed and the bread. It will rot. You eat your bread and you sow your seed and God keeps an endless supply coming. The word must be active in you and through you in order to accomplish God's purposes. You've got to be doing something with the word of God all the time. Speaking it over yourself, meditating on it, edifying yourself, and sharing it with others. If you're not doing those two things, uh, you're going to lose these opportunities. If you are not, if you're just hearing the word and not allowing it to affect your life in any way, either in what you're doing or how you're growing, what you have will be taken away. You become like that person described in Romans chapter 1. The Word, the Scripture, the Bible, the Word of God, is, it's, it's alive and active, right? You know, Keith Moore said this years ago that he didn't do a lot of counseling. He didn't do a lot of personal counseling. He didn't do a lot of one-on-one -on -one counseling. Now, part of that, of course, was the type of ministry he has. Keeps him busy, keeps him on the move. Uh, but he also said this, and if you've listened to Keith Moore, followed him at all, you, you know he preaches long sermons, typically very long, and he preaches very biblically. And this is what he said. This is what I'm called to do. I am preaching and teaching the full counsel of God. And if you are preaching and teaching biblically, you are counseling corporately. He says, it's not that I don't counsel. So, but my counsel is in my teaching. Now, I believe as pastors, we are called to walk with individuals through certain seasons of their life. And I'm not accusing Keith Moore of trying to dodge that that issue. I know he ministers to people personally. But the, the, the truth that's in there is super important. A lot of what have uh, how you respond to the um, circumstances in your life, even crisis moments in your life, has to do with what kind of soil you have been up to this point. 
Had you been eating your bread? And have you been sowing that seed? Have you been doing it with the resources God has given you? Specifically in this case, the word. So that you are ready. So that the fruit you need to draw on is there when you're facing a particular circumstance. The seed scattered by the sower was all of one kind and quality. The only difference in how productive it was was the ground it landed on. You take heed what you hear. I will, uh, I'm getting ready to wrap this up, and so praise and worship team, you don't need to be coming up here right now, but you can, be, you can take your marks. This sermon, actually, uh, I think the, the, the germ of it started over coffee with uh, Mike and Doug and Jim on uh, just this past week. We began to talk about that passage of Scripture in Mark 4. And then it happened to come up in another couple of key conversations I had this week. And so it's something I've been meditating and rolling around a lot and praying about a lot. And while I agree, or I feel anyway, that the tone of it is more of a warning, maybe not one of those uh, woo-hoo sermons like, like I felt maybe the last two were. Uh, and I don't think there was anything light or there was, it wasn't fluff the last couple messages. There was some good meat you can sink your teeth into, but it was stuff we should be rejoicing over about how God's love for us and his plans for us and everything he's made available to us. The benefits of being a Christian, they're phenomenal. It's just that this is it's one of those things we wrestle with that we cannot save ourselves. We can't earn our salvation. Everything that's necessary for our salvation was provided by Jesus at the cross. But that's not the same thing as saying we have nothing to do with being saved. Because we still have to receive that truth, confess that truth, and act on it. And then even as believers, it's not, well, I put my life in God's hands all those years ago, so whatever happens to me was just God's will. It's not necessarily true either. What, take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. You want more of the word, more revelation, and more understanding measured to you? Then make sure you are measuring it out in good measure. Now that same principle, the sowing and reaping, it does apply to your money. Does God love to prosper us? He does. Why? Because a prosperous man who's walking in obedience is going to be generously giving where he is directed to give. He's going to support churches, ministries, the poor. Does God delight in the prosperity of his servant? Yeah, he does. But we can't be like the farmer that Jesus told the parable about who says, wow, look at this enormous harvest. Got an idea. See my barns over there, my storage barns, tear them down and build bigger ones. What did Jesus say about, uh, about that man? What was he called in practically the next line? Thou fool. For tonight your life is required of you. It's over for you here and now. What good is all that stuff you've stored up going to do? But you keep it moving through you, and God will always keep it moving to you. But that's not limited to money. 
You keep the word moving through. You see, man, this person who shares so much of the word, where is he getting all that stuff? He's getting it because he has become a conduit that God can trust by putting more knowledge, more wisdom, and more gifting into. The more you, you sow it out, the more God pours it into you, the more this supernatural understanding and grasp of his word. But you've got to be faithful about growing in it personally and passionate about seeing others receive it and grow it. Now, you can't help what kind of ground they are, but as long as you are faithful to sow it, God will get more seed to you. As long as you are faithful to properly respond to it and allow it to nourish you, God will get more bread to you. Eat your bread, sow your seed. Praise and worship team, come on up here. I'm going to quote a scripture now that you can respond to if you need to. And I encourage you, if you need to, to respond to it. It goes like this. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Every one of us needs saved. From our sin and from the consequences and ultimate judgment that our sin brings. And the only salvation from that is Jesus Christ. But one very important application of what, it, what I've been talking about today is, if you simply pray to prayer, like I did at age 12-ish, which was Jesus come into my heart and save me, I believe today, with all my heart, with all that I know, that God responded to that prayer. It wasn't a sophisticated prayer. It didn't reflect a whole lot of understanding about lordship and stewardship of his word. But God knew my heart, heard my heart, heard my heart's cry, and I believe he saved me at that moment. But I had to respond to further revelations in his word, further illumination as people began to explain the word of God to me over the year. I certainly didn't do it perfectly, but my attitude has never been I know that. I'm just not going to do it. I want to live a certain way. All I want to do is be saved. A 10-year-old or a 6-year-old praying that prayer of salvation, I believe God hears that prayer and answers it. But if you grow to be a 15-year-old and a 20-year-old and your whole understanding of salvation is, I don't care anything about anything else. I'm not interested in changing my life. I'm not interested, interested in submitting to anything all I want is Jesus and heaven. Sorry, you can't. Jesus doesn't leave that option open. He says, you continue to receive my word and you take heed how you hear it. Because if you're not going to do according to the word I give you, I'm not going to give you anymore. In fact, what you have will be taken from you. you're going to walk like a reprobate, I'm going to turn you over to a reprobate mind. If you're going to walk in darkness, I'm going to shut the light off. Your hearts will be darkened. This is risky. But maybe you've never made that decision. Remember, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the key word there. You can't just say, I believe Jesus rose from the dead and loves me and wants to save me. Uh, you, you left something out there. Who are you putting in charge? Who's going to be your Lord? 
Jesus Christ. All right then. Let me be your Lord. I'll save you. If you've never done that, this is what the Word is asking of you. This is your action point. I want you to do that today in just a minute. I'm going to pray a prayer, and then as soon as I'm done praying, they're going to start singing, and I want you to come up and let me pray with you. If you're that person who said, I did invite Jesus into my heart, and I meant it when I said it because I wanted to be saved, and I have taken, for every step I've taken since then, I've, I've taken two back. I will admit to you that I have not walked in my salvation, but I don't want to lose my salvation. I want to confess him as Lord today. You can call it a salvation today, or you can call it a recommitment or a rededication today, but don't leave here without praying that. It's way too important. We talk about, oh, time is short, time is short. Well, obviously, I cannot tell you the date. I can't tell you the year when Jesus is coming back in judgment for the earth and in rescue for us. But I'll say this boldly. You can call it even prophetically. Today, we are exactly one day closer to that moment than we were yesterday. And we are moving closer and closer to that moment. And it could be tomorrow, my friend. It could be today. I'm saying don't wait. Nothing you are pursuing in life, nothing you are putting that decision off for is worth the risk. Not only that, what Christ has for you here and now is better than anything you have been ignoring him to pursue. It's deceitful. You are exchanging the truth of God for a lie. God wants you to walk in truth because that's where true blessing is. That's where true satisfaction is. And ultimate true reward is. Heavenly Father, thank you. For eyes that see and ears that hear and heart that receive the word implanted, which is able to save our souls. It's our intention, Lord, to thoroughly and unashamedly enjoy the bread you give us to eat. And to be nourished with that bread. And to grow in godliness. It's also our intention, Lord, to take the seed that you've given us and sow it into one another's lives, into the world that needs to hear the gospel. We'll water that seed with prayer. We'll cultivate it with fellowship. God, we know you're the one that gives the increase. And the earth produces fruit of its own accord. We pray that you lead us to good ground to sow our seed into. And Father, it's now my prayer that if there is anybody in the sound of my voice who has not made a genuine decision to walk in your love, your protection, your salvation, that they would see their desperate need for Christ today, even now. And if there's any uh, in this place who have said that prayer, meant it when they said it, and who are now considering, maybe I have not. I have not taken heed the word that Jesus has given me. I want to be found trustworthy of more revelation, more knowledge, more understanding. I want God to continue to speak to me. So I'm going to allow his word to start changing me. If I haven't already, I'm going to start it now. And I'm going to be passionate about sharing what God gives me with others. If that's you. I pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. If that's you, either one of those categories, please come down and let me pray for you while we sing this song. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, 
Make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.